0: Hello and welcome to the Third Sector podcast. I'm Rory Poulter.
1: And I'm Lucinda Rouse. We're reporters at Third Sector, and each week we bring you half an hour of discussion and debate about the important goings on in the charity world. In this episode, we'll be looking into a very public disagreement between two dementia charities. And later, we'll be joined by a talent manager to talk about celebrity ambassadors from getting them on board to measuring their value and managing the risks when things don't go quite according to plan. And if you're as out of touch with popular culture as I am, then I have to warn you that a lot of names are going to be mentioned that will mean absolutely nothing to you.
0: But joining us to guide us through our first item is our senior news reporter, Emily Hall. Hi, Emily. What have you been looking at?
2: Hi, Rory. Thank you so much for having me today. So this week I've been looking into a clash between two major Alzheimer's charities who have clashed over this new campaign film from Alzheimer's Research UK starring the voice of Olivia Coleman. The video aims to raise awareness um, of the research that Alzheimer's Research UK is doing and their quest to find a cure for Alzheimer's. And it's also
1: kind of depicting the reality, isn't it, of somebody who's suffering from Alzheimer's?
2: Yes, so it's an animated film and it plays on a fairy tale concept and it goes into the reality of memory loss and sort of forgetting who are and it mentions loss of wit and charm is actually two words that are used within the film as well Mm. so i think we'll just play a little bit
1: of this film
2: and so
3: it was that the cruel dragon was no more and the
1: prince and princess could be together forever happily ever after except this wasn't the happily ever after we all know
3: For the prince had been struck by an invisible force, far more powerful than the dragon. Bit by bit, it robbed him of his charm and wit, constantly playing cruel tricks, trapping him inside a world he could no longer comprehend. Alas, though brave and resilient, the torment of paranoia and confusion Completely overwhelmed him.
1: So that's just a short excerpt from the two minute video. And yes, as you said, Emily, it's playing on the traditional fairy tale narrative of being swept off your feet by your knight in shining armor and then living happily ever after. But sadly, that is not the case when your knight in shining armor comes down with Alzheimer's. Now, I've seen on social media there have been some quite strong reactions to this, but the one that really stands out is by another charity, right? What's the problem been?
2: So Alzheimer Scotland have put out a public statement. They posted this statement on social media as well. They accused the film of having data stereotypes and warned that it could potentially cause harm to those with recent diagnoses and those people's families as well. And they've also said that the film... Perpetuates a demoralizing tone and undermines both charities' fight to break down stigma associated with the illness.
0: Yeah, it's difficult because obviously I can see what they're talking about insofar as it does promote negative stigmas associated with the issue. But also, was it necessary to go out in a public forum and to discuss that? Would it not have been better for it to be something they talked about charity to charity without distracting away from some of the messages that are positive in the film? And instead making it about a controversy?
1: I don't know, because then what would they have got out of that dialogue unless Alzheimer's research had agreed to take down the film, which I can't mm. imagine that they're going to do because it has received a lot of positive feedback as mm. well. Yeah. And it's, it's so fundamental to the cause of Alzheimer's Scotland they obviously feel very strongly that it's marginalizing the voices of those with lived experience of dementia and feel that there needs to be a lot more positivity around the fact that a lot of people are living with this condition. And I saw some other criticism as well saying that that video was really harmful for people who are living with dementia and maybe Mm. sitting in front of the TV with their spouse or their carer and watching this and just generally how much upset it caused Mm
2: -hmm. well the chief executive of alzheimer's research uk has come out and defended the film and also said that the film was actually developed in collaboration with people with dementia Mm. lived experience so that's an interesting point to note that it was developed in collaboration with people with this illness but she also came out and said that this is not a reflection of everyone's individual experience because everyone's experience is different. But the aim was to reflect the reality, which is, you know, is a harsh reality. So the aim was to reflect that reality for people and try to raise awareness and galvanise support for the research that they're currently doing. And like you say, Lucinda, as well, there's been a lot of positive feedback to the film too. So mm. Twitter... Loads of people have been sharing the film, sharing their own reflections from their experiences with their family members who have Alzheimer's or of themselves. People have been very supportive of the film and especially the fact that it's got the voice of Olivia Colman in it. That's also galvanised support as well for it. So it's a very interesting one. And I think the point that you brought up, Rory, as well, about infighting is something to keep in mind because when these campaign films become about the conversation between the two charities then is the point of the campaign film being missed Mm, but it is
1: extremely rare as well isn't it oh yeah two charities operating in in the same space pursuing a similar cause in this case to fight alzheimer's disease for one of them to so openly criticize the other Moving on to our main discussion this week, we will be talking about how to successfully manage your charity's relationship with celebrity ambassadors. So why are we talking about this now, Rory?
0: We're talking about it in light of the allegations that have come out against Russell Brand after a dispatches was made about him. It involved four different women coming forward with instances of sexual assault between 2006 and 2013. And those allegations have led a number of charities that previously affiliated themselves with Russell and his foundation that he chaired and founded, the Stay Free Foundation. So those include Back O'Connor Center, which is an addiction rehabilitation charity, as well as the Trevi, which is a women and children's charity who distanced themselves pretty much immediately as the allegations came to light.
1: Yes. And we also had the One Can Trust Food Bank charity and Comic Relief who have all cut their prior associations with Russell Brand. And interestingly as well, the Charity Commission opened a regulatory compliance case into the Stay Free Foundation to ensure that it's effectively managing risks to its reputation and is able to fulfill its purposes in light of these allegations. Mm. But what we'd really like to focus on today is the work that charities can do to better anticipate the risks associated with their celebrity partners falling out of favor before it actually happens. And we're joined by Paul Cullen, a talent director who has worked with a wide range of charities, currently the Alzheimer's Society. He was previously celebrity manager at the RNLI and Macmillan, and before joining the charity sector, he worked with high-profile talent in the broadcast and entertainment worlds. Hello, Paul. Hello. So, first things first, talent specialist or artist liaison, it sounds like an interesting job and line of work. (laughs) How did you get into it and Um, what does it involve?
3: Well, yeah, uh, celebrity liaison, talent manager, handbag carrier to the stars. We really, really <laughs> kind of are called all sorts of things. But um, I got into it through starting my career at the BBC in casting. And then I went from casting to talent representation, realised that there were some jobs in the charity sector which kind of partnered. Famous Faces with Great Campaigns. And so it's kind of the elements of casting because you're looking at who's the right person to work with that charity, but also the negotiation that you need around dealing with talent so so yeah I came through kind of a talent representation route a mm-hmm. lot of people come from PR backgrounds or some people come from just having worked in charity and been given the opportunity so yeah it's a kind of niche but interesting element of the sector
1: and what kind of skills does it require like if you wanted to hire someone on your team what would you be looking for
3: I mean, generally, um, a lot of the job ads for Celebrity Manners tend to say a kind of overflowing black book of contacts, whereas it's really understanding how the industry works and how talent work, because depending on who you're working with, in terms of the charity organisation, you might not be working with the same talent you've worked with before. So there were some people that I worked with at the L I who crossed over into Macmillan, but not everybody would have done because not everyone would have had a cancer experience.
0: So what are some things that a charity should consider before engaging a celebrity ambassador
3: I mean, the key things to think about is what would you do with a celebrity if they came on board? So what is the organisation's objectives? What's their strategy? What are they trying to achieve through having somebody who's got a high profile? You know, how can you use their profile to amplify what you're doing? So understanding what the organisation actually wants to, to get out of that relationship is key. And then because a lot of us are fairly cynical these days particularly journalists dare I say in this room <laughs> there's a real cynicism around charities and celebrities partnering just for the sake of raising one or other's profile so what we're always looking for are people who can tell a a story as to why they're involved with that organization. So, as I say, I'm currently working with the Alzheimer's Society, so a lot of the talent that we work with will have their own dementia experience. And they'll be able to talk about that in media, which obviously is what journalists want. They want to understand why people are supporting that organization what's their story and their story will then help relate to to people reading those articles or you know kind of watching programs or listening to programs so it's all about having a good story that they're willing to talk about.
1: And I guess as well there are lots of different ways that celebrities can get involved and can add value it's not just a here's a face let's raise awareness for the cause there are many other ways right? Yeah uh,
3: there's lots of ways so I think traditionally it was very much a kind of Seen as a PR exercise, that you would have a celebrity fronting a campaign or turning up to an event and, you know, you get some lovely pictures. But actually, celebrities and talent want to get involved in the organisations, very much like donors do. There's a reason that we all support particular charities. So now it's quite common for people with a good profile to call on the government to talk about their policies. So Marcus Rashford, obviously, famously made Boris Johnson's government do you know two u-turns in terms of free school meals so they understand the value of their platform and i think that it's not to say that pr opportunities aren't key but really it's thinking about what their followers interested in what's their story and you know how can they help influence so the word influencer is used quite a lot when we talk about Hmm. organizations and talent but actually influence comes in many different forms so celebrity support can be you know Policy can be fundraising. If you look at Soccer Aid, that was established by Robbie Williams and Jonathan Wilkes back in 2006, I think, and has raised over £38 million for UNICEF. So it can encourage fundraising. When Sarah Milliken did a tour, she kindly gave the opportunity to charities to collect after those tours. And one of those tours raised £111,000 off her fan base who were there and putting money in the bucket at the end of the gig. So there's a, a number of ways in which they can get involved.
1: Great. And thinking about Russell Brand, it's not the first and it's certainly not going to be the last time that a celebrity who is aligned with a charity or charities has fallen out of favour. But what would your advice be for charities who are considering taking on a celebrity ambassador and really want to weigh up the risks associated with that? What should they be thinking about?
3: I mean, the key thing that my job consists of or a celebrity manager job consists of is research. So that starts with who is the right person to support that charity, why would they get involved and along with that you do a lot of due diligence around thankfully due to the internet and, and social media it's easier to kind of investigate for one of a better words what people's kind of behaviour has been in the past so it's very much looking into has there been any, any controversy attached to that name, is there anything that they've been talking about online that might not kind of align with the values of the organization so researching and looking as much as you can as to what could be red flags should you start to work with them obviously there's controversies that that you just don't foresee yeah and the difficulty there is you know nobody knows what's coming up so but it's important to have a good robust crisis comms plan look at the risks consider them you know there are risks working with anyone in a profile you know with a profile And similarly, on the reverse side of that, you know, sometimes charities might do stuff that that doesn't necessarily align with celebrities. So it can work in both ways. Mm. But It's about understanding what the risks might be, having some lines when there's a specific story around uh, a talent. It's understanding if the charity organisation fits into that story at all and whether you should be talking about it. There are a number of organisations that have spoken, as you've mentioned, about their association with Russell Brand, seemingly proactively. And I would always question well, should you be part of that conversation? They justifiably may be, particularly given the organisations are working closely with Russell Brand's foundation. And so there's that kind of immediate alignment. But often it's considering whether you're part of that conversation and should really be talking about that. Sometimes you can quietly step back from people without making a big issue of it or bringing your organization into that story where sometimes it may not impact you at all.
0: Interesting. So say someone, ha- a charity has done their due diligence, they've done the research and they've got on board a good celebrity ambassador. How do you measure the value of a successful partnership? What would that look like for a charity? I mean, it
3: depends. There's various ways of measuring it. It depends what the celebrity is doing. So if, as I say, the UNICEF example of aid you know, that's a celebrity driven project it's robbie williams's baby it involves high profile celebrities it's raised 38 million pounds so you can naturally kind of assume that without that celebrity support that money that fundraising would not be coming into unicef in that way so that's a kind of direct way some of the other stuff is the policy changes So marcus rashford obviously that's quite a an evident Base, the government did do a U-turn based on him working with charities. So obviously he was working with Fair Share, I believe, to begin with. So it's that collaboration, and that's what celebrity and charity partnership should be. They should be a collaboration. So there have been, you know, examples: the Joanna Lumley and the Gurkha situation. You know, that's a key one that people remember. In fact, you know, changed policy. So mm. there are elements that you can measure in that way. Some of the stuff is often difficult to get a proper metric on unless you've given yourself a unique URL that only talent are using that leads through to your website. But with Alzheimer's Society, we recently had Sir Jonathan Price put an email out encouraging Alzheimer's Society supporters to email their MPs to uh, attend the the stand at the autumn party conferences. And that had about almost 3,000 people email their MPs. And that's not to say without Jonathan's involvement that people wouldn't have done that if if it had just been an in-house like a director of policy doing it but it just gives that additional profile so sometimes you can accurately measure the metrics but sometimes it's more anecdotal
1: and going back to the point that you made earlier about how sometimes celebrities can be turned off by something that the charity is doing i wonder if that happens more than the other way around do you have any examples to share about when that's happened
3: People won't make it public, I suppose, that they're they're stepping back from a charity. The celebrity management works, as I say, there's kind of similarities to high-level donors, but sometimes celebrities will dial up their support or dial down their support of the organisation. So if they split from an organisation, they can often do it without causing too much of a, a controversy and won't talk about it. I mean, there was an example some years ago where Mini Driver had stepped back from Oxfam and I believe that was to do with one of the partners that Oxam had begun a relationship with in terms of corporate partners. And I think that was made quite public. And there was a lot of stories around Mini Driver stepping back from Oxam. Got into a bit of a Twitter spat with Mini Driver about that because I did a, a lecture and said, was she too hasty? And that was all that was reported. But actually, I went on to say, or, oh, you know, does she have a justifiable reason? And she did have a justifiable reason and, you know, was able to articulate that. So there are a few occasions, but one of the other ones that dates back quite a long time, it's not necessarily a celebrity stepping back. But Sandy Toxwig did talk about Save the Children, ditched her from their 75th anniversary celebrations because they didn't want a lesbian meeting princess anne and when was that of, that was back in 2014 if gosh I remember so not like that long it. ago no so i think i think i think she revealed it in 2014 i think it was in the 90s that it actually took place oh right but, okay yeah so it dates back to the 90s but she she revealed it but often celebrities won't name and shame mm. the organizations because as much as they might have a differing of opinion, they'll probably want to step back quite quietly and not necessarily bring attention to it and let people make up their own minds as to whether that's an organisation that they should be supporting or not, rather than wishing to cast too much of a a negative light on things, I think.
1: And you feel that charities should perhaps be taking a leaf out of their book and doing the same thing, silently stepping back when a celebrity falls from public grace?
3: I do. I I really do question why there have been a number of occasions. I was listening to another episode of the Third Sector podcast talking about royal patrons, and and obviously when Prince Andrew and the controversy around him came out, there was because royal patronage is, is such a key cornerstone of what the royal family do there was a genuine interest in what were those organisations that had him as a patron, what were they going to do? How were they going to kind of, you know, step back? And so you can understand from that perspective, but with more traditional celebs, there really is a question like, are you involving yourself in a conversation that doesn't really necessarily need you to comment on it? Unless a journalist rings you and says, I'm aware that your organisation has worked with that celebrity, and they've been accused of this misdemeanour. At the moment, a lot of it is accusations. There haven't been any charges. So until you've got, I suppose, the evidence, you kind of want to step back. But I would suggest that you want to do it relatively quietly, unless you're asked by the media, and in which case you should have robust response as Mm. to that relationship. What did it do? Why are you now stepping back? Which some of the organisations that have spoken about their relationship with Russell Brand have done, but they've done it, it seems, without actually being asked by the journalists. I think one of them posted on Instagram immediately after the Dispatchers programme. And I would question, well, obviously now everyone knows that they had a relationship with his foundation (laughs) and no longer do, but how many of them knew that that relationship existed in the first place? Because they're quite small organisations, So it's there's questions around the benefit to the organisation. And do you start getting into a reputation issue? Because people might say, well, why did you start working with him? I saw on one sort of comms forum that somebody had said charities should have been doing due diligence on Russell Brand for years because they'd worked in the industry and rumours had it that, you know, he wasn't. A great person to be involved with but that's rumour and so at what point do you start taking rumour over what is presented in front of you but again you know that's the due diligence and if you start researching and just putting in some keywords you know selection name controversy Tends to be a good one to start with. Mm. And, you know, you'll get things coming up and you will find things on social media where people are talking about it. But if there's a consistency of people talking about things in the same way, then perhaps you need to think, well, actually, is there an alternative to working with that person? And if we do go down that road and there is going to be a revelation at some point, how do we address that? And how do we justify to to our donors and to everyone who supports us why we're working with that particular person?
1: So the vast majority of the third sector is made up of small charities. Not many of them are going to be having a dedicated talent manager or talent director. It's probably gonna fall to the chief executive or another member of a very small team. So what would your advice or tips be for people with that responsibility who would like to have a well-known person attached to their charity brand.
3: As I say, the key thing is to think, why do you want that person? What are they going to add to the organisation? If they say yes, have you got stuff for them to do? And so the first thing, you know, again, it goes back to research, goes back to thinking who's in your network. So is there somebody that your trustees know? Are they well-connected? Is that person? There are quite a lot of founder charities where the CEO will be kind of quite well connected or gets to a stage where they're in situations where they're mixing with high profile people and so some will come on board because they strike up friendship but ultimately what you want to do is look at who's able to talk about your organization from an authentic point of view so if they don't have that lived experience themselves how can you demonstrate the work that you do so it's thinking about what you want them to do and how you're going to engage them. So the key things I always think about is what are you saying to who and by what channel? So thinking about who your audience are and so that will start to kind of focus your efforts on well actually if we want to get to that particular demographic we know that we want to be on Loose Women for example well that's the type of person we need to be working with can we find a genuine link between them and our organisation and what you need to do is really... Frame your approach in a very specific way because celebrities get asked. You know, there's a a number of there's kind of a hundred celebrity managers. Uh, you know, a lot of as you say, kind of smaller organizations might not have someone in house, but the larger organizations do have this as a function now. So you're competing for attention from agents, so you need to be very specific, show that you've done your research show demonstrate to them why you're actually approaching their client so that they can understand that that you've seen something that the client has spoken about which is why you're approaching them and this is the specific thing that you want them to get involved with so it's thinking quite strategically about what you want them for what you would do if you engage them and then the other thing is to kind of talk about like or think about how you're going to retain that relationship and how you're going to build on it and get them more engaged in what you're doing as an organisation.
1: And thinking specifically about how you're going to engage them, would you advise that charities come with a menu of potential options at the outset or is it better to get to know that celebrity, get them aware of what it is that you're doing and what you stand for as a charity and then allow that to grow organically?
3: It's a bit of both, really. So what you say, kind of the first thing is brand awareness. So if you're particularly if you're a small organization, it's not making assumptions that they know who you are. So one of the key things when you're getting in touch is to demonstrate the impact that you have and, and what have you been able to achieve. And what you're looking to achieve in the future. It's often useful to have one specific idea. So it might be kind of a fairly low level, straightforward R. So, is it something that you want them to share on social media, or do you have an event that they might be interested in that's in their locality that they can come along with? So, it's good to have a specific idea about how you want to engage them, but Equally, having a bit of a menu of ideas of activity that they could get involved in, then hopefully once you've met them and engaged with them, you'll be able to talk about what's coming up. So the key thing is to, if someone comes on board and says, yes, I'd love to support you, what have you got for me to do? And you've got this menu and they can say, yes, that interests me or no, I don't really have time for that. So having a menu of stuff is really useful. Having one specific thing that you want to ask them to to get involved with and often been quite specific about a date or an event or or something that kind of hooks. Because if you approach them and say, this is who we are, this is our impact, and we'd love to get you involved, the first question that comes back is, well, what do you want them to do? When is it? So agents kind of tend to want to know, What is it? When is it? And how long is it going to take? So if you bear those things in mind when you're making an approach, that kind of helps. Because if they say, no, we're not available on the 15th of October, then you know for certain that they're not able to do that. But then you can go back and say, well, is there an alternative? So you've already given them something specific to say yes or no to, rather than just rumbling along with a kind of non-specified will you support? Because if it's a good organisation, and there are so many good organisations out there, They'll probably want support, but they'll need to know what that means and, you know, how much of their time is it going to take and what's the impact of their support going to have. So building all that in in a very succinct email to an agent or a a publicist is a key thing. But as I say, particularly if you're a small organisation, often just looking across who your existing contacts are, so who your trustees connected to who are your corporate partners? If you've got corporate partners, are they working with talent? And try and just help where there are sort of doors that are, might, might already be ajar. How can you kind of utilise those relationships to connect you to people that are going to help amplify what you're trying to achieve?
1: Mm. And then thinking about strengthening, consolidating, deepening that relationship. Presumably not all of them would be an ongoing connection. Sometimes it might just be for an event or a particular campaign or something. I'm thinking about Olivia Coleman with the Alzheimer Research UK video. That's presumably off the back of her doing the film, The Father. How do you decide whether you're going to have them as a one-off or whether it's going to be a longer-term connection?
3: i mean i have my my kind of ever decreasing circles of participation so you have kind of a big group of people who might be those one off opportunities you know opportunities where they might kind of turn up to an event because their friend is hosting it and that sort of thing or they're willing to to promote you on social media so there's kind of a number of those but from the outset what you're trying to achieve really your advocates which is kind of the next level and it's always looking at people who've got that story because ultimately not everything is pr and not everything is fundraising when it comes to celebrity involvement but everything should be based around communication so they're there to communicate on behalf of the organization so that might be communicating with your donors or you might be using them to endorse a pitch that you'll make into a corporate supporter so there's thinking about the different ways that their involvement can thread through all the different activity that the organization has so whilst it's good to have people who can come in and just do a one-off thing ultimately what you're looking for is to drill down and try and find those more connected relationships so that actually there's a natural fit and when you're going to media or you're going to your different audiences that they're talking with authenticity around their involvement with the organization so
1: brilliant well paul cullen that was really interesting and i think really useful thank you so much for joining us thank you Well, that's it for this week. We hope you enjoyed our discussion with Paul and earlier Emily. And if you did, we would be very grateful if you would leave us a positive review. It's very helpful as a way of getting other people who might want to know about what we're talking about to find us.
0: Thanks very much to our guest, Paul Cullen, and our producer, NavPal.